Bible, uh, let's go over to the book of Exodus, Exodus 14. Encourage you to bring your Bibles or your Bibles on your phones to church and uh, turn the pages and read them or flick the apps on, that kind of stuff. And I, I want to uh, I wanna talk to you this morning about movement. Can everyone say movement? I want to talk about movement. We, uh, we have been using these words to uh, make uh, a move to describe what we, what we feel God is calling us uh, to do this year. It's a new season, we believe, is upon us. Specifically, if you've not heard, if you're just kind of coming in this morning, we have a real sense that it's time for us to make a move, actually quite literally or quite physically. Um, we are going to be relocating ourselves out of the CBD and into, uh, into community. We spent a we spent a whole Sunday on this a couple of uh, weekends ago. You can listen to that message online at our, uh, at our website. And also, as Jan said, we have a little little vision document here called Make a Move. It's out on the table in the foyer. Take home one of these if you haven't, haven't got one and just read some of the details about why it is that we uh, are doing this. So I just want to stay on the subject of movement uh, this morning. Is everyone okay? And uh, because there is an overwhelming, let's call it a pattern in Scripture that promotes the idea of movement as actually a necessity of our faith, like a requirement for us from God to, to move towards Him. Paul says this in Philippians 3, don't need to turn here. He goes, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I've not made it yet. I've not arrived by any, by any means. But here's one thing that I do, forgetting all of the stuff that was behind me, forgetting about all the stuff that's been, and I reach toward those things which are ahead. In other words, I move toward those things which are ahead of me. Verse 14 says, I press toward, I move toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so our faith, your faith requires movement. It requires action. It requires from you uh, momentum and motion. The, the journey of faith that we are each uh, on the, the faith journey that he has each one of us on. And by the way, we are all on a journey. We are all on a spiritual journey. You may not realize that. You may not even believe that, but you are. We are all on a spiritual journey. And, and uh, that journey of faith is a journey of movement. Hopefully, we're going in the right direction, right? Hopefully we're going in the right direction. Hopefully we're advancing and not going backwards. Hopefully we are progressing and not getting stuck somewhere, not, as has been said, going around the mountain, but moving closer to Him, closer to God, moving into greater freedom, moving into our spiritual maturity, moving into His promises, moving towards that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Even the call of Jesus even the call that Jesus made to the disciples was, an, was essentially an invitation to move. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. Follow me. Come, come with me. Come to where I, where I am going. The Bible says that they immediately, the disciples, they left what they were doing. They, they dropped their nets and they, they followed Jesus. In other words, they moved. They shifted, something, something moved. There's something about the nature of faith that demands we cannot always stay where we are in progress. We can't stand still and discover God. We have to actually move toward Him because faith is not stationary. It's not static. It moves. You with me this morning? 
All right, awesome. We have, uh, we have a new dog in our home. Some of you have met our dog. His name is Nico. He's about 12 weeks old and he's a labra, labradoodle. <laughs> and he's a nice big chocolate ball of fluff. And, and uh, we're, we're teaching Nico at the moment all of the basic commands that you need to teach uh, a young dog, especially one that's in, in, uh, in your home. Things like sit and stay and uh, don't eat my socks and give me back my jandals and uh, don't bite my feet, all those kind of, kind of things. And do you know what I found? One of the most valuable commands you can teach a dog is, is not just to sit, but to come, to come to you, to come where, where you are at. And so we've been practicing this with, with Nico the last couple of weeks, right? And, and uh, we, we get him to sit, which he's mastered pretty quickly. It's kind of easy for a dog to sit. If it's natural, they just kind of plonk themselves on their bottoms. And, and, uh, and we have kind of these smelly treats. They stink. They're fish biscuits of some sort. And we get Nico to sit, and then we walk away a little bit, and then we say, come, Nico, come. And Nico doesn't come. In fact, Nico just sort of sits there and, and sort of stares at you as you're kind of calling him, and, and you get a little bit closer and put that, that, that treat kind of a little bit closer to him, and like, come on, Nico, come, come, Nico, and then you get on the ground, like, Nico, come, and, and this goes on for a little while, and Nico just sort of sits there, and eventually you have to go right up to his nose and put this thing right in front of his face for him to even, even kind, of, kind of move, and our dog, as young as he is, he's mastered the art of sitting. He's mastered the art of standing still or sitting, sitting still. And you know, one of the things that I've discovered about my own faith is the propensity for me to sit and not come and not move towards, towards God, to sit and wait for God, in fact, to come to me. Come on, God, you come, come and do what you need to do in me first. And, you, know, you, you, come, you come a bit closer to me and then, and then, I'll, and then, then I'll move. You know, I might have heard him. You may have heard God calling you to come off in the, distance, in the distance somewhere, calling your name, telling you something about your future. You may have caught a whiff of, of something good that was in front of you out there. But you know what? Sometimes we're just having such a good, comfortable time right here, right where we are. And what, and what he seems to be calling me to sounds a little bit unsettling, a little bit unsure, a little too challenging. It sounds sometimes like a little bit too much hard work. And so, hey, God, why don't you come here? Because I'd rather not move, if I'm being honest. <laughs> you guys are quiet this morning. Turn to the book of Exodus. Did I tell you to go there? Exodus 14. And I want to show you something interesting about movement today. Uh, the book of Exodus chapter 14, it, it outlines, many of you will know this story, it outlines Israel's escape from slavery in Egypt, one of the most retold stories in the Bible, you've probably seen the movie, you've read the book, you know what I mean, you've heard it in kids' church, but Moses, the reluctant leader, he's chosen by God to lead the greatest prison break in history. It's an incredible story. Moses is like, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. The Pharaoh's like, yeah, nah. And there are lots of plagues and there are lots of blood. There's lots of frogs, lots of gnats, lots of flies, lots of cows, lots of cows dying, lots of boils on bottoms, lots of hail, lots of locusts, and finally a whole lot of death for the Egyptians. And then finally, Pharaoh lets Israel go, the nation, and they escape uh, from Egypt into the desert. 
But the Pharaoh, after allowing them to leave, he changes his mind for like the 10th time, literally, and he gathers all of the army and they pursue Israel out into the desert. They find them camped beside the Red Sea. We pick this up in verse 10 of Exodus 14. Parts of this will come up on the screen, but not this part, just to give us some context. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. That's a scary image right there. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. This is a classic example of a group of people who failed to recognize or discern a change of seasons, a shift of seasons, that there was something required from them. They wanted to camp, they wanted to sit, they wanted to wait back in the old place, the old day, what had been before, but God was doing a new thing, and they missed it. Verse 13, let's just read this, it's on the screen behind me, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Verse 15, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the mist of the sea. And you know the story, the Egyptians follow hard behind Israel, walk onto the dry land as the sea parts around them. And it says, when the last of the Israelites puts their feet on dry ground on the other side, the waters close over all of the Egyptians, over all of the army of Pharaoh or over all the horses and chariots. And it says that not so much as one of them remained. Wow. That's quite a story. That's quite an account. And and I must have read this story in Exodus 14, honestly, probably like a hundred times, right? You've read that lots, I'm, I'm sure. And, and I'm reading this again. Just last week, I'm going through my Bible in a year. We got through the book of Genesis. Now we're moving on to the book of Exodus. And last week, I got to Exodus chapter 14, and I was reading this again, as I have done many times before. But this time, I noticed something interesting that I'm not really sure I've ever seen before in this passage that we've just read behind me. Something interesting about movement and our natural response to God when He calls us into His promises, when He calls us into a new season. Something interesting about what God requires of us when a season shift takes place. Come on, focus on me here this morning, church. In verse 13, Moses assures the people, he says, do not be afraid, Guys, this isn't the end of the road, he's telling them. Don't be afraid. I know you're all freaking out right here. Moses says, I'm a little scared too, but it's okay. I know it looks like a dead end, but it's not over. Stop freaking out, people. Look what he says next, verse 13. Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. Stand still. Don't make a move. 
He goes, verse 14, it's okay. The Lord's going to fight for us. Hold your peace, everybody. Nobody panic. Just don't move. Stand still. Everyone say, stand still. Stand still, Moses says. Keep on reading, verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me, Moses? Tell them to do what? To go forward. To go forward. Yes, I'm gonna fight for you, Moses. Yes, I'm gonna bring you your freedom. Yes, this is gonna be one of the greatest miracles that you've ever seen. But don't tell them to stand still. Don't stay stationary, Moses. Move Go forward, tell them to make a move, to go forward. You see, what I've come to realize about the provision of God after sort of camping on this a little bit, here's here's what I realized about the power and ability of God to intervene in your life. Here's what I've come to realize about how open doors or doors can open that appear shut. Here's what I've come to know about miracles and signs and wonders, about a God who can make a way where there seems like there is no way, just as it was for Israel is that for the many of the things that God wants to do in you and God wants to do through you is that he's waiting for you to make the first move. Tell the people to go forward. Don't stand still. Do you see that? James 4 verse 8 says, thanks very much. James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's a principle here. It's it's. You draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The the book of Proverbs says that, 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 that it's our steps that God honors, not our motionless activity. He is attracted to our movement. He is attracted to momentum. When Jesus promised to make the disciples into something great, it first required them to follow him. It required them to move. The Red Sea parted, not because Israel stayed calm and stood still, but because they moved. They had to initiate something. And I believe what God wants to do in your life today and in in this season, what he wants to do in your marriage, in your ministry, in your relationships, in your finances, in your walk with him, going to the next level, there are things that he will do that, that that, that with you is so redemptive. He wants to do incredible things with your life, miraculous things, things that are beyond your own strength and ability. But consider this, consider that perhaps the way to see God move in our lives has a lot to do with the way we move ourselves. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. The way that to see God move in our lives, maybe the way that we see God move in our lives has a lot more to do than we realize with the way that we gotta move ourselves. There's a connection here. It's, it's in the way that we stir ourselves. It's in the way that we rouse ourselves, the way that we press in, the way that we persevere into God is what brings him to your active aid because he's a responsive God. He's a responsive God. He wants to be involved. He wants to be active. He wants to be engaged. But listen, he's attracted to your action steps. And sometimes, sometimes we spend so much time kind of parked up praying about his will rather than actually doing it. 
and I love prayer. Prayer is so, so important. I'm a huge fan, of course, of prayer and, and, and of waiting on God for, for God to, for God to speak. But listen, there's a big difference between waiting on God and waiting for Him. See, there are, there are two schools of thought. I shared this some, some years ago. Two schools of thought when it comes to God's engagement in our lives. Two schools of thought, two camps, if you like, simplifying it this morning. When it comes to his intervention in our lives, when it comes to his, his, uh, his guidance, his, his engagement, school of thought number one says this, I don't move without God's engagement. I'm not gonna move until God engages me. In other words, until I've seen him move, I won't move. Until I see God doing something, I'm not gonna join him. I won't move until he moves. He moves and so I move, right? That's school of thought number one. School of thought number two says this, I don't expect God's engagement until I move. In other words, my movement is the cause of his movement. Are you following me this morning? One, one school of thought says he moves, so I move. The second school of thought says I move, so he moves. And it's a good question to ask yourself, is God's engagement, engaging in my life, his guidance or his intervention, is it the cause of my movement or the effect my movement causes? It's a bit of a mouthful. But I believe that he prefers to work with more in those in the second school of thought that God is actually drawn to my action steps, drawn to my movement, that he honors my movement going in the right direction. He's attracted to those who would choose to first make a move towards where he is and not wait. Not wait like my dog, Nico, sitting there waiting for me to come to him with a treat, but coming when called, stepping out and moving when called. Uh, since there, there's a couple of people here this morning, maybe more, maybe someone who's listening to this online is applying this, who feel the pull of God on their lives, feel, feel the call to more, feel like there's, there's something else, there's something more for me that God has. Surely this isn't it. Surely this isn't the end. That You feel like there's something more. It's like there's an invitation from him to come. He is calling out to you. Maybe he's whispered something over the years into your heart, but for one reason or another, you've found yourself not progressing. You've found yourself going around the mountain. You've found yourself maybe even in disappointment that God hasn't come through or, or you must have heard wrong or something like that. Maybe you've been looking back at the prophetic words that have been written, written for you and, and you've been wondering, why hasn't this been fulfilled or why, why am I still waiting for these things? And just maybe this morning in light of this message, it may not necessarily be the timing of God, it might be, but it may be more likely that he ain't forgotten about you. He's not been teasing you. Come on, look at this and then shutting the door. Maybe it's that you mistook his, in his leading that he was gonna come to you when it was supposed to be an invitation for you to come to him. Let me just say that again. Maybe, repetition for emphasis. Maybe it's that you mistook in his leading that he was going to come to you when it was supposed to be an invitation for you to come to him. Come, follow me, and I'll make you. Come, move forward. God provokes us with his promises. Someone's got to, got to really understand that this morning. God provokes us 
with his promises. His promises are invitations. He provokes us in his promises to move toward them. Not to sit, not to wait for them to come to us, but for us to move towards them. They're a call for us to step into, not to stay seated. His promises are to provoke us to move, to move. I was reading about um, Abram, Abraham, first called Abram in, in the book of Genesis the week before last week. How God in, in Genesis chapter 12, he calls Abram to be a father of, of many. You, you may, in fact, I think I've got this on the screens. I do, I do. We're getting through this. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Verse two, not on the screen, says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. Kind of sounds similar to what Jesus was saying to the disciples. Follow me and I'll make you something great. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you, Abram, to a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And it says verse four there, which is not on the screens, but very importantly, it says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. Go from your country, leave this place, move, do something, Abram. I'm gonna do something great, but you are gonna have to go. And it says that Abraham went. What's interesting is that Abraham had actually no idea where he was going. (laughs) He had no idea what it was exactly that God was calling them to do, how he was to do it. He just had this promise and a call to go, to move. We know this because if we fast forward a whole lot to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews, where we read Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter, where these great men and women are mentioned in the sort of hall of faith. In verse 8 of Hebrews 11, it says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Does that, does that sound like someone in school of thought number one or school of thought number two? I move and then he moves. My movement causes God to move for me. Come on, right throughout the pages of Scripture, we see it in the call of Christ himself. I move so he moves. I don't have all the details. All I know is that he's calling me forward and that's enough. He's calling me to come. Come, Nico. Come. Don't stand still, Moses. Uh, God says to Moses, tell the people to move, to move forward. And I believe when I make a move, he will move through me. When I take steps of faith, God meets me at that place because he's drawn to my action steps. Don't allow fear of the unknown, disappointment, complacency, familiarity, timidity to stop God from moving over your life. There are places that he wants to take us. Actually, quite physically or literally as a church, places he wants to take us that require us to move. We're gonna be doing that this year and I'll let you know when we know a little bit more of those details. But there, there is people that he's wanting, he's wanting to move upon, move on to, where, where an invitation has been given and has been given to move forward. And like Moses, see God's mighty hand of deliverance. If you could just play some music here. And Jan, I'm gonna ask you to come and bring that word. So Father, I thank you. 
I thank you for every person here this morning. I thank you for the call of God upon every life, every heart, every soul, every person. I thank you for the whispers of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. I thank you for the call. I thank you for the promises. I thank you for God, your great hand. And I pray that, Lord, there'll be something from this message, something from these words today that would cause us not to sit and wait, not to ponder and think, well, that's great. Well, that's a nice thing. I might revisit that from time to time, but to go, actually, God, I believe you are calling me. You are provoking me through this as an invitation to step forward towards you. Why don't we stand up this morning? We're gonna have communion in just a little bit. Let's call that like a symbolic step forward out of your seats to come and take communion in just a moment. But, But God, I pray for every heart here this morning that you would indeed provoke us to step out from comfort, to move on from the things that are causing us to stay seated. And as different ones go out of this place, as we send ones like Jan and Alex to Southeast Asia, as you send us, God, out of this place into our workplaces, into our families, into our homes, into wherever the mission field is for us, that God, we would hear that call to move, hear that call to get up, hear that call, hear, be reminded about that Old Testament story about Moses who said, hey, it's gonna be okay, which is true. God's gonna fight for us, he, he did. We're gonna get the victory. It's exactly what they saw. Stand still. Uh-uh. God says, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to move forward. May we be people of momentum. May we be people of action. May we be people of motion. May we be people who simply step up and go, even though we may not have all of the details and step into all that you're calling us to do. God, for specific people here who you are calling, I pray that we would respond in Jesus' name.